This is Talk of the Town, and our guest is Capital District Congressman Paul Tonko, a Democrat from Amsterdam who's been in office for 10 years. Talk of the Town is heard on Magic 590 and 100.5 in Albany and 1410 and 96.9 in the Glens Falls area. Let me get right to some topics, Congressman Tonko. Your district includes the Saratoga Racetrack, and there's been concern about horse deaths in thoroughbred racing, but it's a very popular sport. Uh, It's an economic engine around here. And you have proposed legislation to hopefully cut down on horse deaths. What will your proposal do? Well, um, absolutely. You know, I agree with you, uh, Bob, that horse racing is a very popular sport. But I would say sport fans are very discerning. They have many choices these days. And the integrity factor surrounding this the sport has to be enhanced tremendously. So because this sport has $3 billion annual impact on our uh, state's economy, um, and obviously a huge impact nationwide, um, I believe there should be improvements made. Um, I know that many are concerned about the uh, medication um, process, the, the uh, regulations that guide the doping of horses, if you will. So I believe there should be a national standard. It's a national industry. There should be a national standard. And um, basically, our bill sets up a national standard for drug testing and bans race day medication that can hide underlying injuries or health issues in horses. Um, It it develops a panel that I think is quite well balanced. It uses USADA, the United States Anti-Doping Agency, which has established standards for our human athletes and for Olympians. And uh, it's balanced with the perspectives, various perspectives from the horse racing industry. Mm-hmm. So this panel will establish the rules, the regs, the guidelines for medication use, which are banned, which are allowed. And again, within the bill, we have stated no um, race day medication. That's a 24-hour ban. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's a good response to well, to build integrity into the sport. Now, I, as I understand it, the no medication for the horses on race day is a practice that's practiced in other countries, like in like in Europe. Isn't that true? Yes, it is true. It's, in fact, it's true around the world. In Asia, in Anti- in Australia, in um, in uh, South America, certainly, and in Europe. And so, what I think this will do is enable our horses, our industry, the American base, to fit into insert, insert itself into the international scene which uh, is helpful. I think there are many, even with purchases of horses, they will frown upon the American bread because of these standards that Mm -hmm. we have. Uh, We have, by the way, some 38 states that invest themselves in this business. And so we have 38 different racing jurisdictions, Bob. That means a patchwork system with less safety, less consistency, and reduced integrity. And so I think we need to go forward with a sound plan, one that will, uh, again, speak to the integrity of the sport and first and foremost, focus upon the safety and the respect of the um, equine athletes and jockeys, for that matter. Some jockeys have retired early because they are concerned about the safety elements not being as strong as they ought to be. So we're moving the issue really strong in the House. We have uh, 137 bipartisan co-sponsors. My chief co-sponsor is Representative Andy Barr, a Republican from Kentucky. 
another state that um, is very much reliant uh, on this sport. Mm. And it seems that the owners, the trainers, and the jockeys have uh, are on board with this idea. Or is that overstating? Yeah, there's some right. No, no. I think you're not overstating it. It's not universal, and it's not with unanimity, of course. But um, a great majority of folks in these categories are supporting it, um, and I think there's discussion going on with those who are on the fence. And we're hopeful that um, they will see that. Um, this is a, a work in progress, one that we've done, been doing for the last four or five years where we've listened to various uh, arguments and concerns and input and have built what I think is a final good package. It's a re- reference to the um, Energy and Commerce Committee, more specifically the subcommittee on consumer protection and commerce, and the chairperson, um, uh, Congresswoman um, Schakowsky from uh, Illinois, is very supportive of the bill. So we're hoping that we can have a markup uh, this fall and take it to the House floor and then uh, push hard for the Senate, where we have a bipartisan team, including Senator Gillibrand and um, Senator McSally, a Republican from Arizona. Congressman Paul Tonko with us on Talk of the Town on Magic 590. In the wake of recent gun violence in America, do you support more gun control legislation and what specific restrictions do you support? Well, I think that we need additional gun safety measures that are uh, important. You know, the violence that has been expressed through mass slayings, which are tremendous in number uh, just in this year, Um, There have been many, many mass slayings. But I would also point out in many communities, uh, for instance, in Chicago, my colleagues from that area will tell you that when you go through the course of a month with individual deaths to gunshot, you have a mass slaying uh, in numbers, uh, if not greater than that. So there are different dynamics in the various neighborhoods that we represent. But I very much support gun safety legislation. Uh, The House passed comprehensive background checks earlier this year. In fact, um, that came via Bill H.R. 8. With that low number, it shows you what a very high priority this issue is within our caucus, the Democratic caucus, the majority caucus. We also passed H.R. 112. Both of those bills um, deal with loopholes in the law as they relate to uh, background checks Mm -hmm. so that – You know, we're hopeful that when we do come back, uh, Senator McConnell, Mitch McConnell, will lift his outright ban on House legislation that we have sent to the Senate. He refuses to deal with any of the measures. And there have been so many active uh, committees in the House working on legislation and gun safety legislation amongst them that I would hope sooner or later now, preferably sooner, they will forego this foolishness of denying all the bills and start taking up action. Uh, Mark them up if you don't like them. Send them back to the House so that we can move forward. But something needs to be done in this regard. We need to make certain that when we do the background checks, there's enough time that lapses so that we have a a very strong uh, review of a person's record. Um, But um, this is part of the package that we'll be doing, outlawing assault weapons and addressing magazines, if you will. Uh, of great capacity and uh, some of the retrofitting that's done with uh, our guns to make them uh, akin to uh, assault weapons. So a lot of work that needs to be done there. I think the public is calling for it. Um, We know that um, uh, we have uh, 29 more uh, 
times the likelihood of death by gun homicide uh, for this country than any other developed nation, which is a startling statistic, Bob. You and your, your fellow members of Congress have uh, been home for a while in your, your home districts, and I know that you have met with a lot of your constituents. And I gathered from at least uh, some news coverage that your constituents have been uh, telling you about their concerns over health care, health care. Can you expand on that? Well, the congressional Republicans and the Trump administration uh, have made it a top priority to end health care protections for millions of Americans under the Affordable Care Act, which is about a decade old now. I was in my freshman term. Uh, when we pass the legislation, they um, are constantly work to undermine the law. And we voted oh, some 60 times in the past uh, sessions to appeal with no plan to replace. And I voted obviously against those efforts. But that effort uh, to undo the ACA would eliminate protections for more than 130 million Americans that have pre-existing conditions. I met with several people who are struggling with mental illness uh, and uh, with the disease of addiction. They would not have coverage for the services they require. There's a, they, we would restrict health care access for more than 23 million Americans if we undid the uh, ACA. So I think it's important for us to move forward and strengthen what we have in terms of, a, uh, of an Affordable Care Act, making certain that we have additional efforts made for subsidies, that will enable people to uh, play into the markets, that would strengthen the markets. We need also to address the, uh, the, um, the impact of uh, prescription drugs. The, the cost of these drugs um, are having many people uh, diluting the, the prescribed efforts that have been placed their way uh, and taking perhaps half the medication that they've been uh, required to take just to address the affordability. So these are things that have to be done. We have to go forward and make certain that uh, we strengthen the ACA and undo these efforts uh, in the House and certainly in the U.S. Senate and uh, with the president to um, uh, drive out. And he's currently before the courts mm-hmm. trying to undo the ACA, which would uh, really cause a lot of havoc out there. You have uh, spoken out recently on the need to protect scientific research in America. What are your concerns there? Well, there's a complete denial uh, by the administration of science, and it's so much so that it drove me to author the bill on scientific integrity, and that basically would establish watchdogs um, in each of the federal agencies that invest hard-earned federal tax dollars in research. And this panel uh, of internal scientists from those specific agencies would uh, be tasked with reviewing uh, the research and the status of that research, so that they could not uh, suppress or or uh, or deny or delay these uh, research efforts. Many of them have been uh, manipulated in a way that uh, the reports are changed. And I introduced this legislation, Bob, uh, before the uh, the last uh, presidential election. So, not knowing how those results would um, uh, would be determined, um, we felt that there had been efforts throughout both Democratic and, and Republican administrations to kind of um, play with the research investments that are made, to have them fit more of a political messaging. And I think that, you know, science leads us to truth, 
which leads us to power of policy. And it needs to be done in the purest of fashions. Um, I know today, as we speak, many scientists are uh, concerned about the tone established at their prospective agencies. Certainly, the efforts that they're making um, are diluted simply by some of the bans on rhetoric that can be allowed. They're targeted if they mention uh, climate change. They can't use uh, rhetoric like science-based, evidence-based. Uh, and it's demoralizing to scientists who have trained and in many cases have worked for a career span uh, in the federal agencies that they call home. Mm -hmm. And we want to change that. We want to rely on science. We believe in science. You know, research in, in, in a partnership, public-private partnership with the federal government has produced GPS. They've produced soft lens contacts. Um, you have all kinds of work that has been done that has developed uh, very strong outcomes. And this um, whole effort to mess with science should not be allowed. I think it's, uh, it's a deplorable notion. I, I hearken back to the days of uh, the global race on space that inspired my entry into engineering and politics. Mm -hmm. And there we had an aspirational quality to the work that was being done. We mm -hmm. would have never landed uh, an American on the moon first ahead of any nation had we this attitude that we see today in Washington. We need to invest in research. President Trump and his administration have been engaging in a trade war with China. Uh, the economy's seems to be accepting that to some extent. There's been a lot of volatility on the stock market. How do you think it's it's going with the trade war? Well, you know, I think the trade war is something that's very, very uh, concerning. The tariffs are not applied in any sort of strategic way. Uh, we do several tours every year uh, in, in the neighborhood of 50 to 60, whenever we're home on Fridays or Mondays in the district. Uh, and um, many have said to us that the impact of the, the tariffs as applied is very draining on their, on their uh, production. Um, their, the cost of uh, materials uh, is greatly increased uh, by this effort. And so, you know, with one hand saying we're going to renegotiate um, items like NAFTA, um, and the other hand is saying we're going to apply tariffs. We have an impact, a huge negative impact, on um, the, uh, the trade issue as it relates to our farmers, um, some in six-digit loss columns uh, because of the tariffs. So it's not a strategic approach. It's one that's trying to fix uh, or make a statement on behalf of the U.S. Uh, by trying to address it through the entire international uh, economy. And I just don't think it's workable. It's caused huge ripple effects with the stock market. And I think it's, uh, uh, in the view of many economists, it's tinkering with our recession. So it's very troublesome. I think that uh, the president doesn't even follow the advice of his cabinet that he appointed. He argues with some of his own key people in this area of discussion. And uh, it just shows failed and flawed leadership without uh, the reliance on facts and, uh, again, uh, figures that can can guide us uh, in, in a scientific way, academic way. Well, maybe this is the time to ask you this uh, question, a, peren a perennial one for Democrats in uh, the House of Representatives. Do you support the impeachment of the president? Well, I support an impeachment inquiry, which is kicking in the process to drill down deep with uh, and thoroughly, I hope, uh, to investigate based on the Mueller report. That is not calling for an impeachment. It's calling for the step before that to see if it warrants an impeachment. 
but I will say that in 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 the Mueller report, there is substantial evidence uh, in plain sight of electoral misconduct and obstruction of justice. And I believe, as members of Congress, we have the constitutional duty to conduct oversight. In this case, uh, it's called for. That means opening an inquiry, which I called for, into the uh, abuses that we know about. Um, And the underlying evidence in the special counsel's investigation uh, drives us to do that, I believe. And the consequences in terms of a possible impeachment uh, certainly would exist out there, depending on what these investigations prove. But, you know, the work that we do as a House, as a Congress, is not always about doing what is popular. Many people would want to be popular in this regard, but I think it's more important for us uh, to be right here. And generations that will follow us deserve this sort of thorough investigation. Look, it's proven by the report that our election system was hacked. Uh, That is the fundamental cornerstone of our republic of our democracy. And if we don't get down to an investigation that thoroughly reviews that that impact, uh, we won't know which uh, what uh, response, what solutions are called for. But we need to make certain that we protect our system from that uh, from that um, hacking. Mm-hmm. And also with, you know, people in jail, people who have pled guilty. This is not a witch hunt. People have already admitted to having committed crime and these people were in you know surrounded the president in his campaign uh, and in some cases in his presidency so um we need to drill down to get to all the facts so as to determine if yet uh, a move to impeachment is required but i think the investigations will uh be thorough and i think they will uh, be uh, very informative. I want to turn to a hyper-local story, if you will. Uh, many of his drama students recently gathered, gathered and put on one more show for Mr. DeRose, Bert DeRose, longtime drama teacher and principal at Amsterdam High, where both you and I were graduates. I was there before you, of course. It was uh, good to see and hear at the performance Tom Stewart, Maria Riccio Bryce, Terry Jackson, John Noble, Jen Ziskin, Sharon Watroba Burns, Matt and Michelson Quanti, and, and Tom Wiedemann, um, all of whom are involved in some way in the performing arts. Were you ever in one of uh, Bert DeRose's productions? No, regrettably, I was not. But I have to tell you, I have to applaud Mike Sinquanti and all the folks who were part of the Amsterdam Waterfront Foundation effort to showcase Bert DeRose and all of the lives he impacted. This gentleman did a tremendous job when he uh, uh, was the leader of the uh, the drama department at Amsterdam High. And it was always a coveted thing to be able to be awarded the Kirk Douglas Trophy. Um, But the names you just listed are all evidence of a huge amount of talent that he was able to draw forth. And I just think that he empowered people with the confidence of, of serving on a stage at a tender age. It gave them confidence. It gave them direction. And many people discovered gifts they had within them that then became a career path for them. But I think it was so nostalgic and so um, uh, much a reminder of what great things happen in a small town, that there's immense amount of talent, that when you have people like Bert DeRose, who passionately look to serve the children of this community through the years in such a fine capacity, 
great things can happen. And I just thought the committee's desire to showcase um, uh, a, an event such as that salute is uh, just ample proof, super proof that great things happen in cities like Amsterdam and small towns across the uh, the map of this country. And, you know, hooray for them. Mm-hmm. And I really thank Bert Rose for being uh, so invested in education. Our guest on Talk of the Town, Capital District Congressman Paul Tonko. Talk of the Town is heard on Magic 590 and 100.5 in Albany and 1410 and 96.9 in the Glens Falls area. This program will be podcast on albanymagic.com and bobcudmore.com. I'm Bob Cudmore.